Hello, welcome everyone. My name is SP Singh. Welcome to the Digital Transformation Podcast. Here we invite experts, genuine people with a genuine intent to serve, serve the industry they work in and specialize in transformation. So this podcast is all about digital transformation and if you are a leader keen to make a difference in your industry, this podcast is for you. Here we have Chris Cooper. Chris has worked with medium-sized business owners, CEOs and their teams for over 20 years in three interrelated roles as a chief financial officer, as a designer and facilitator of strategic plans and the combination of both. Chris is a qualified chartered accountant in London before coming to live in Perth and getting his hand dirty in change management, strategy development and execution within small and medium-sized enterprises. He has also lectured in organizational change development at a Curtin Business School and presented on business models and strategy at WH Leaders a program for small and medium-sized businesses. He has helped turnaround businesses, worked at insolvency firms which taught him for more about finance than working with solvent businesses chris welcome to the podcast thank you sp appreciate it great uh, i know chris uh, for it has been few years i met chris for the first time at precise business solutions and uh, i remember chris generally in the kitchen near the coffee <laughs> coffee <laughs> coffee machine we we used to have a, a brief chats and uh, i see chris always in a bit of rush you want to do something quickly and yeah overly busy and uh, what i could hear chris has added a lot of value in the business he was serving at that point in time and uh, yeah we the life moved on and we met recently chris uh, on on a coffee and uh, I, we thought there is a close sort of alignment we both serve from a dis- different perspectives but we talk about digital transformation or transformation in general we partner with businesses and help them transform from the different perspectives really so here we are sitting with chris who has got wealth of experience and we are going to look at transformation from a different lens and that is finance and strategy and uh, yeah after speaking to chris for a while i thought it's a, a lot of value that chris has to offer so we'll start with a, a very basic script so tell us your journey so far so where you started where you're right now and uh, how has been your journey so far okay thanks sam let's speak um so Well, wow, I started off um with an interest in filmmaking. Um and then discovered that well, it, it probably wasn't going to make make me a bit of a livelihood. So I went into the the absolute antithesis of that and probably regretted it for most of my life, mm-hmm. which is finance. Um and I became a qualified chartered accountant in London. So mm-hmm. I um, worked for one of the big four firms over there. And um prior to that when I was really young, um I used to live in Perth and we migrated from the UK where I'm originally born to Perth. and um we were 10 pound we were 10 pound pom um 
So I came back in about 1994 and rather than plowing into finance, which, you know, I had some experience in, I was an auditor, I had what I thought was a, a relatively good understanding of business. Um, I worked for a change management company and we were doing some transformational work with um, one of the major utilities in Perth. And my role there was to work on the strategic planning and the change management. So it was it was quite different from from finance. Um, so I got my hands really dirty in understanding, you know, behavioural change and how important it was to, you know, establish some kind of common goals with your management team and then cascade that down to the rest of the business. Um, and it was also my first opportunity to work with some of the unions, which I did later on um, while I worked for an airline. Um, I did a lot of change management there as well. Um, but also that introduction into strategy and into change management gave me an understanding that, hey, there was a lot more out there, a lot more to understand than just finance. Mm. And, you know, you can look at a profit and loss in a balance sheet, but really you're looking at the the scorecard mm. at the end of a game or mm. a, a period of time. And it can tell you how well the business is done, but it doesn't tell you what buttons you need to press to make it work. Mm. And so quickly, you know, I realized, well, okay, back in your box, Chris, yes, you understand, uh, you know, an element of how a business runs, mm. but not every element. Mm. Um, so it... it you know, that, that sort of change from finance to strategy was, was really important. And then, you know, going back to your question, the journey so far, probably over the last 20 years or so, I've weaved between finance and strategy and change management. Mm -hmm. So weaving through uh, different projects with different businesses and, you know, as a CFO, a part-time CFO, um, or as somebody that they've invited in to work on their strategic planning mm -hmm. um, or their change management. Um, and part of that's also involved, you know, for example, working with businesses um, uh, to improve their relationship with their unions, um, improve their value proposition. Yeah. So for those of, of your listeners that don't know, you know, the value proposition is, for example, um, the key difference that one business has compared to its competition. Yeah. You know, importantly, the value proposition's got to speak into what customers want to hear. Okay, and it's got to help you stand out. So I've worked with businesses in helping them develop a value proposition, mm -hmm. and then implemented that in their um, business development processes, and in their pitches, and in their promotional material, and in um, their, their um, proposals for large large contracts. Um, so I'm probably more I see myself more as a, like an, an all rounded person mm -hmm. um, who takes more of a holistic approach to business rather than just going in as a CFO yes. or going in as a strategist or going in as the change manager. Yes, yes. And I think we all go through these journey. Uh, so journey could be different, but we start with somewhere and quickly realize that, okay, look, there is a, a very fine road I'm traveling on. There are so many other things that if I get my hands dirty into those aspects, I'll be, have a more holistic view of the world and it, they all complement each other like finance, change management, uh, strategy. And similarly, my, my journey, I started as a business analyst, project management. So okay, look, this is a good complement, business analysis, project management. Then looked from a business architecture point of view, okay, now I need to understand architecture as well and the business side of things. and. All these skills, the business architecture, business analysis, project management, they complement each other. It's, it gives us a more holistic view of, of the world. So I think this is 
phenomenal but generally we it's i think it's it's a is a common thing we tend to put people in a box yeah so people who know me before he if i was working as a project manager say sp is a project manager or when i was working as a business analyst oh he is a business analyst i think we we tend to put people and that the conversation we had yesterday over, over the phone as well uh, it is i think this is what we tend to do so i'll the discussion we had i was like okay, at chris you are as you have been serving as a or say a virtual cfo you are a chartered accountant so you are a numbers man yeah and uh, so what is so fascinating about numbers that's the question uh i was intending to ask i want to still ask that question chris so help us understand that why numbers are important what is so fascinating about it and what are the limitations of the numbers when i say numbers these are all what the numbers that cfo's tend to look yeah so what are your thoughts on that okay so um look um if i wear because i can choose to wear the finance hat or not so i'm going to take my finance op- hat off my head mm-hmm. put it on the table and take my calculator out of my pocket and put that on the table as well and then i'll answer the question so look, the numbers are not uh, I don't think the numbers are not necessarily fascinating, but you can't, I find I can't answer questions about a business unless I actually understand the purpose of that business and what it's actually trying to achieve. Mm. Um, so I have to go back to, well, what's the strategic direction of the business? What What is the business model? What is it? What is the business and the business owner really importantly trying to achieve? Mm. Because it's really easy to walk into a business with a false assumption that it's doing the same as its competition. And mm. it, and and I see all businesses are different and the reason is even in the same market and the reason is that their owners want to achieve something usually quite different. Mm. So when I look into a business I want to understand what the owner's goals are. Mm. Um and that's understanding the strategic direction and their you know their, their objectives over maybe 3 to 5 years. Where are they actually wanting to take the business? um because like it or not that's where they're traveling all their behaviors their attitudes are uh, reinforcing that particular direction mm. okay so that's step 1 like step 2 to me is to understand well where is the business right now mm. you know what is actually happening in its environment mm. um and what is its strategy from getting from where it is now mm. to where the owner or the ceo or the team or the shareholders want to take it mm. then we can start only after that then we can start looking at the financials because mm. then the financials will have a context mm. in which they can be translated and understood Great. okay it's you know i i find that it's not really productive to compare one company against another mm. unless the owner really wants me to do that or unless it's helpful mm. in providing some input in terms of transformational advice mm. but then even then it's in relation to where the owner wants to take the business yes okay so business context comes really really important yeah, yeah. and Look there's a few probably misconceptions that I sometimes see around this especially around strategy and especially around finance. So with regards to strategy um you know one misconception is that a lot of strategic planning events are really like um rah rah events to get the team the team going and and they're uplifting and we're trying to work out a vision that's really stimulating and all of that. Well I hate to say it but 9 out of 10 business owners know exactly where they want to go. 9 out of 10 CEOs know where they want to go. and one element of a strategic of a strategy session is to get some alignment with the team mm. sure but understand that it's going to be 
that moment in that workshop where the team is going to come together. Mm. And that's not enough to keep it going afterwards, mm. right? So that's one aspect of strategy. Um, a second aspect is where the hell are we right now? Mm. And, you know, I used to be really bored in lectures when people were talking about the business environment and 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 what was going on. Now I look at that as is probably more in one of the key parts of strategy is to understand where you are, N- not just in terms of what's your business model, but also you know, what are the key segments, um, key customer segments that you're going after? What are those segments doing? What forces are impacting those segments? Mm. What are your competition doing? What's mm. their value proposition, as I explained earlier? Mm. How are you differentiating yourself? Mm. Is it still relevant? Mm. And where do you draw the line between what you do and what your suppliers give you? Mm. And should that boundary line shift at all? Mm. Should the boundary line between you know, what you deliver in full on time for your customers. Should that be shifting? Mm. Should they be doing more now? Or should you be providing different things? Mm. And then, you know, what are the macroeconomic forces and the key trends, sociological, Mm. environmental, political, whatever, that are also impacting on your industry and your business and your customers? Mm. So it's important to understand that, you know, your business is is almost a chess piece on a chessboard. Mm. Now, you know, some people would think, oh, yeah, I want to be the king piece or the queen piece. Well, mm. sorry, it's it's not about being the biggest and the best. It's mm. about being the right piece in the right space on a chessboard. Mm. You know, every company has its strengths and weaknesses, but where you are on that chessboard in relation to the other pieces is what makes you strong or makes you weak. Mm. You know, I was, I was walking down Murray Street Mall and there's a souvenir shop. And, you know, right now business is terrible. But in the summer, that shop is, you know, at the best possible location. It doesn't look like it's a great shop, mm. but you know in the summer, mm. you know, three, four, five months, it's going to make a hell of a lot of money. It's going to do really well, mm. but it doesn't need to stand out. Mm. So I think that it's important to understand that those are two aspects of strategy. Mm. And the third piece is, okay, given where we are and where we want to go, mm. that this is a transformational piece. How the hell are we going to get there? Mm. And and usually in a workshop, you you know, the team walk away with a list of projects. Mm. And everybody's really excited and stuff like that. Mm. And then we go back to business as usual and then we forget about it. Mm. And, you know, one of my passions, especially mm. for SMEs, is to actually help them through that process. Mm. How do we continually re-engage the management team on this? Mm. And then how do they engage their workforce? Mm. And how, what the hell do we do with these projects? Mm. You know, wh- wh- should we just start implementing all of them on Monday morning? Mm. You know, what's the process? Mm. And, you know, I did a lot, I've done a lot of research on this and I've worked with a lot of companies on this. Um, and there wasn't anything out there. Okay. Right. And I'm excited to sort of talk about that if you if you'd like me to. No, definitely. So just to do a bit of a recap, so I've understood correctly. So generally, we look at numbers. Are and there is a change in trend as well. Are sponsors for a technology implementation capital investments used to be CIOs now they have moved or IT managers now they are they tend to be more CFOs. And uh, yeah, they, they look at numbers and uh, make decisions and all. But what you've just mentioned, I think it's it's quite fascinating and it's quite different is numbers in itself does not add a lot of value. We should look at the business context yep. first, understand the business context holistically, not within what's happening within a business, but the outside influences as well it could be regulators it could be what's happening in economy government and so forth with that develop a good understanding where we sit right now and what is required to be done to move forward so what is the go to be sort of picture and then you mentioned look generally that work 
yeah, we we do, but and then we de- design all these different projects, and that's where the rubber hits the road, and uh, hard work needs to be done, and we the the traction tends to disappear because yeah, people have yep. these these different yeah, and that's where we need more discipline. If we decided that we really there is some work that needs to happen from a transformation side, we develop that to be picture our vision and we develop all these projects then we need to have a rigor and discipline to help us take to the yeah that's exactly right um and i you know i can't speak enough about it or you know in my experience imagine if you you have your your little strategy workshop and you've spent you know 80 percent of your time working out the vision and wordsmithing the vision to death Mm. um you spend maybe about 10 percent of the time working out where you currently are and Mm. then you go bananas and you kind of like come up with all these projects Mm. um if I take it right the way back to one of the first things that I said I was interested in, which was filmmaking, mm. this is like coming up with a story that has an ending, mm. um, it has a trajectory, and mm. there's absolutely no scene setting. Mm. Like there's just a blank canvas. Mm. Um, the scene setting, looking at where you are right now, looking at the dynamic forces and identifying them, right, mm. is is pivotal. You, mm. You've really got to get that grounded, and then you want to keep that going. Mm. Because that will enable your business to be agile and responsive and proactive in its marketplace. Why? Because it understands its marketplace and what's happening. Mm. Um, I, I want to talk about the finance, but before I do, mm. you know, finance can be seen as really black and white. And I, I kind of want to talk about that in, in a minute. Mm. Um, the other thing to think about when you talk about strategy is, you know, bullet point presentations, slides, pictures and stuff like that. Mm. Um, strategy strategy is a visual medium mm. okay it requires shapes business models it requires drawing uh drawing pictures mm. um to illustrate what you actually mean mm. by a strategic goal or a, a strategic direction or looking at the forces so a lot of the work that i do for businesses is about translating those ideas into meaningful shapes uh, geometries pictures models mm. that emphasize the point, capture the essence of the idea mm. um, and enable businesses to understand, evaluate and make decisions in, you know, in a really uncertain business climate. Mm-hmm. So whereas, you know, the, the, the finance guy could be black and white mm. um, and it's about numbers. Mm. Strategy itself is a visual medium and, you know, it's about um, powerful visual tools. It's about color. Mm. So it's it's almost the antithesis of black and white, but mm. you you need it to counterbalance finance, and you need the black and white to counterbalance the craziness of creativity at times. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's, it's like a, I think it's like an art and science. Yeah, it band. is. Yeah, it's okay. a blend, okay. and that's why you know, from my perspective, strategy and finance need to work hand in hand. Mm. Um, you know, there's the, there's the danger that strategy gets pulled down to the financial level. Mm. And, you know, as a company grows and its products, you know, eventually become commoditized, mm. sure, there's much more of a need to really um, hone down the margins and really maintain margins mm. and have a really strong financial acumen to run it. Mm. But in the early days of a small and medium-sized businesses as it grows, there's certainly the need for the, from my perspective and my experience, is that, you know, finance needs to support the strategy, the growth strategy of the business. Mm. And it can do that really well by evaluating, you know, where the payback, for example, on key projects, because mm. most businesses that want to grow are going to spend money in some form of capital investment or hiring new people. Mm. And the only way you get rid- you're going to continue your business growth and your cash flow is if you get a payback on those particular investments. Mm. Um and I could have used the words return on investment, but mm. I prefer to use payback because it's about cash flow. Mm. Okay, it's not about 
you know, fake profit. It's really, are we generating additional cash from mm. these projects? Mm. So, um, and I think from, you know, being a CFO, it's you know, one of the things I do for all my clients is I create a three-way cash flow, mm. which is it basically looks at the relationship between profit, um, balance sheet, working capital, and, and cash. So I can understand from cash flow terms, where is the business heading in the future? Mm. And I can see three, four, five years ahead. Mm. Um, and one of the things that profit doesn't tell you is where your level of debt mm. um, and a poor return on capital investment is going to take you mm. and how quick it's going to take you down. So it's really important to be able to talk with a CEO, talk with a management team or talk with a business owner about where the cash flow is going irrespective of profit. Mm. Like, what what happens is for a, for a person who is not in finance these terms they 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 go very quickly like i'm i'm talking about myself when you say cash flow and returns of invest returns on investment and few other terms yeah. in in one line um <laughs> i have to slow down and say okay Should we break that down yeah yeah no Let's before before yeah, yeah before we do that uh, just a bit of recap again so i'm understanding it, it correctly what i've just learned is it appears that numbers let's say finance it is a it's a more of a measuring tool it yeah. tells us where we stand right now but it should be more of a support role so strategy comes okay I've, i'm sitting here i want to go there and finance should be able to support that initiative yep. is is that Yeah that's correct. So look support can also mean and it, and it really does mean guidance. Hmm. So let's just take us back to this company that's let's say medium sized company it's just had its strategy session. Mm-hmm. You know it's it's done the smart thing and created some projects and spent some decent time on the projects. Hmm. But now it's left with five or six projects and it's left with a decision to make which is well you know, which ones do we implement first? Hmm. And you know any any company that's going through digital transformation in terms of you know it might be investing in assets physical assets it might be investing in software mm. it's got to go through this evaluation process mm. um and i think that's where finance comes in in mm. terms of not just telling you what's going to happen after you've made the profit which you hope you're going to make mm. but the cfo should be working with each you know core members of the business team your sales people your um project people um or your production people you know mm. depending on if it's a um you know sort of human you know a people led business or it's an asset um yep. asset bank business mm-hmm. so uh, to to understand okay exactly you know how is the revenue going to increase exactly mm-hmm. how is production throughput going to increase mm-hmm. you know how are we going to do this and and is it real you know do, do the numbers actually stack up mm-hmm. and what are the risks if the market changes what are the risks if there's a, a new competitor that we know about is going to come in mm. you know let's really consider those current forces that are in place that we went through at the strategy workshop mm. and understand well how's that going to impact our ability to generate a cash flow return off these projects mm-hmm. um and then so i think that that guidance on those capital projects is absolutely essential mm. because if you if you're a cfo or you're an accountant in a medium sized business and you're not giving that advice mm. then really your 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 management team you know your your key project sponsors are left without the level of support that they need mm. because i see it as sales and production you know human resources and finance and it especially are all really important mm. um you know managers to work with in any business mm. um but the finance person can can work with them to the develop you know to make sure that the strategy is going to generate the returns you know adequate returns on the investment that's made mm-hmm. um and also to help in the sequencing of these projects 
that is, is, there's plenty of businesses that I've seen. I mean, I can give you a couple of examples. Yeah. One that spent probably $2 million worth on trucks and then, you know, for their client that said, look, we want these trucks. Yeah. And then the next week the client said, oh, yeah, I'm not ready yet. Um, uh, you know, I am. Um, yeah, I'll tell you when I, when I actually need the trucks to come. Uh, I mean, that was one of the most, you know, insane things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in other companies that have spent money on projects and then the project falls over, mm-hmm. you know, or they've not got the sequencing right. Yeah. So what does sequencing look like when it's right? When it's right, the cash coming back or the profit coming back off a particular capital project yeah. is going to finance other capital projects. Yeah. Um, so, for example, you know, going back to a trucking company, okay, let's just pretend that we, we've invested in the trucks because we've got a new client and we've got the contract already signed, okay? Mm. So now there's no risk of, of, of not, not generating any additional cash with these assets. Mm. Uh, and now we know we've got to replace some of the other assets. So when you replace a large asset, sometimes there's no real incremental benefit other than the repair and maintenance is going down. Mm. So, okay, that's great. Now we've funded that. And then we're going to fund, we've got some new projects coming that are going to be partially funded by this one that we put in place and by some of the existing profit. And then that's going to fund the next project or mm. another, you know, another um, break-even project or a, or a project or an asset that we've got to replace. Mm. But we know we just have to do it. Yes. But it's not really, it's just going to keep us where we are. Mm. Whereas if we don't do it, it just, it's going to put us at a disadvantage. Yes. So that sequencing is really important and the guidance from the CFO is really important. Yes. And yes. how you then create these projects based on your current environment and where you're going is really important as well. Yep. Yep. Now that that makes sense and it could be it it with that information it gives us more informed decisions where okay this is the sequence where there's a likelihood of returns of investment and cash back in a business which we can reinvest. At the same time there could be a scenario where given that sequence is there, we try to do some other sequence because of strategic reasons. Correct. Yeah, Correct. But it, these, th- that advice is helpful because yeah. it's one ask, one way to look at things. Yeah. Yeah. You, you look, yes, but you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, with any business, if, if there are two tools that I would say a business should really implement, you know, um, certainly in that medium sized space and, and even larger yeah. is it really should have, one is a what I'd call a strategy map mm. that maps out where you know the current forces impacting the business mm. and the strength of those forces. Um, and secondly, uh, I'd call it an integrated financial model mm-hmm. that looks at that r- that relationship between profit, um, balance sheet, and cash flow. Mm-hmm. So you know you know at all times, okay, what you know is my strategy still relevant? We're we still going in the right direction, mm. you know, and, and what things have changed in the competitive environment. And then I know the fun, you know, you know the financial side of where things are at, mm-hmm. so that you've got those two things. Mm-hmm. Then you can really start to shape your business and and take it in the right direction and make sure that you're not heading away from where you want to go. Great, because the last thing you want to have happen is that the finance part slips away. Yes, and then hang on, now we're trying to rescue the business or turn it around because we've really we didn't know that. You know, as, as an example, that you know we've invested in these capital projects, the returns poor. Now we've got to pay back the debt that we borrowed on these capital projects, and mm. now, oh my God, how are we going to sort this piece out? Mm. You know, we're in a, we, we can't focus on our customers. We're focusing on the cash flow. We've got to mm. get ourselves out of the hole. Mm. And and that's where I think it's a any when we say transformation, this is a multidisciplinary yeah. initiative. Yeah, where, yeah. So we we talk about finance strategy and how they are complementing each other. Yeah. And then there is a human element. There is a technology element. There is a change management. Yeah. And there's so many different disciplines that get together 
in a cohesive way to help us transform. And that's where the complexity is, I believe. There is, a, there, look, it's interesting how you put it. Yes, there is a complexity there. As soon as you, you look at, you think about sales and production and you think about IT and you think about finance and you think about human resources, you know, you know your mind, my, well, my mind goes to, oh my God, there's all these different disciplines. How do I get them on the same page? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best business books I've read is a book called The Gold um, by Eli Goldratt. Um, and he he created the theory of constraints, yes, um, which is used pretty much in production. Yes, only you can use theory of constraints at a business model level. Mm. So what do I mean by that? Well, you take it out of the realm of production mm. and you think about your capacity constraints in terms of sales. Firstly, mm. so what's market demand? Mm. You know, am I are we getting orders that are months ahead, mm. or is it now changed and it's weeks and now it's becoming days ahead? Mm. So there's a, there, that kind of balance. There's now maybe enough supply in the market, mm. you know, th- from our own business and our competitors to cope with demand. So what, you know, are there any constraints in sales? Mm. And then you look at production and go, well, what are the capacity constraints in in in, in production? Mm. Um, have we, you know, do we have sufficient um, sufficient capacity to deliver in full on time? Mm. You know, according to our contracts. And then, well, okay, we let's just say we we're growing really strongly, but you know, what? we've got a lot of debtors. Mm. Have we got the cash coming in, or do we now have? A, and we've got we've got to invest in these projects mm. that are going to grow our business. Have we got the capacity to actually fund them? Mm. You know, working capital, you know, short term finance is one thing, but have we got the long term debt that we need to fund some of these assets? Mm. You know, and is the market actually going to and the production team is going to support the repayment of that debt mm. and sufficient cash flow to run the business and mm. to give the shareholders what they want in terms of reward? Mm. So, you know, in my experience, you've got to look at this as a like uh, the sales side, the production side, and the finance side are part of a flow. Mm. And you've got to slowly, incrementally raise the throughput mm. of each. You can't. There's no point increasing your production capacity unless the market's there. Yes, yes. But yes. There's, you can't sort of grow your business unless you know you're going to get the cash coming through from the marketplace, from production, to generate the profit that's then going to um, allow you to generate the cash that's going to repay your debt. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, and and if it's not there, then mm. you've kind of got to subordinate those different levels to what the market can take or what production can actually do. Mm. Rather than trying to push hard, but you just can't, you can't go beyond the capacity constraint. Yes, yes. No, I, I love that book. And I, there was another relevant book, which is, I think, from the same author. He talks about within project management and critical change, yeah. chain. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. and critical it tells about a story. So it's a, it's a great book to listen to or read to. And, and I agree with you. It is bottlenecks, or yeah. wherever the constraint yeah. or bottlenecks. We identify them, yep. and again, from a finance perspective, numbers they are more indicative of where where the bottlenecks could be. Just quickly, and we'll we'll shift gears after that. What do you think are the the key financial ratios that someone can look that tells the constraint? If I am yeah. holding a lot of inventory, or if I'm in a professional services business. My productivity is not that great. Yeah. So, is there is there a magic numbers a, a, a CFO or someone within a business can look and say, look, there are constraints based based upon labor assets or other revenues. What are your thoughts on on that? Wow, um, how long have you got? Um, I'll try and look. I'll try and make it simple. Simple, um, yeah, yeah, for a non-financial person, yeah. Look, look. I'll probably go to my favourite ones. Um, one is, uh, and I think it's 
it's a bit of a misleading indicator, but it's an important one to understand what your break-even is. Mm. Um, and companies do it in different ways. So there's your your I don't know, your break-even at a net profit level, your break-even at an, at an earnings before interest, tax, and depreciation level. Mm. Um, I like a cash flow break-even, mm-hmm. right? Because, hey, I might be um, – uh, I might be breaking, you might have a, a zero profit before tax, right? And mm. oh, I've got, I'm not paying any tax, right? Mm. But guess what? I've got about 100 grand's worth of debt repayment I've got to make every month. Well, that doesn't help me, does it really? Mm. Because there's 100K that's going to go out of my cash. I've got 100K less cash because mm. I've not made any money. Mm. So I'm really interested in, well, what's the break-even revenue that I have to make? So for example, that um, I've made enough pre-tax profit that mm. when you deduct the tax, hey, I've got enough left, enough new cash, additional cash left to then pay my debt down. Mm-hmm. So break-even cash is really important. Um, I'd also say that in terms of working capital, you know, if you alluded to some of the ratios there, you know, looking at your debtors, you know, how old the debtors are, like debtor days mm-hmm. or what's called creditor days or inventory turn are really, really important. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a lot of inventory, it's more it, – it, sometimes it can be a physical constraint. You've got no warehousing space. Mm. Sometimes it's an indicator that you're selling less than you should. Mm. Um, but also importantly, from a cash flow perspective, you know, if you've got a lot of um, inventory in your warehouse, uh, you're probably paying for it before you can actually sell it. Yes. And that's where the, that's where the danger is. Um, and then there are opportunities you know, where, whereby you could sort of do trade finance or other arrangements to try and reverse that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those sort of short-term working capital ratios to do with debtor days, creditor days, inventory days are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, cash flow break-even is really, really, really important to understand, which means what level of revenue do I need to generate to um, pay my tax, pay my dividends, and pay my debt. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's great. And uh, is there any book, any any sort of resource you like to, to refer? Um, in relation to that or in relation to strategy and or, or, and or finance? Or like quick numbers. So if I want to see the key financial ratios to help how healthy my business is. Yeah, there. Oh God, there is. I think there's a book by Kieran Walsh. Um, his name is C I A R A N. I think it is Walsh. It was, came out many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. On I think it was called Management or Financial Ratios, mm-hmm. and that was that was quite informative because it used you know visual models to actually explain some of these financial concepts. So mm-hmm. it made it quite easy to understand. Okay. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, I go to Eli Goldratt's um, The Goal to look at theory of constraints and bottlenecks. Yes. Um, and also I'd probably go to um, another book called um, Business Model Generation um, by Alexander Osterwald that also, I think, introduced me to the use of visual tools yes. in, in, in helping you know, companies develop and execute strategy. Yes. So those are probably, I think, three of the most influential books that I think I've ever read. Yes, yes. And uh, so you're, you're referring to the business model canvas? The business model canvas, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think I, it's a very simple tool yeah. and very effective. Um, look, I think it's it, it can be a bit complex when you look at nine boxes and you try and fill them in. Mm. Um, you know, I tend to go with three. Mm-hmm. So I look at revenue, I look at production, I look at, I look at finance. Mm. And if I need to break it out further, well, then I'll use, you know, the other boxes that are in the canvas. Mm. Um not you know in my experience yes some some organizations i've worked with 
yeah, want to review their business model. Mm. So they'll, you know, I'll, I might use that tool. Yes. Um, but there are other models that, you know, I've created through you know, synthesizing you know, the some of the tools, are the, like the business model tool, mm. financial ratios, and theory of constraints. So mm. there are other models that I use that that are more bang on and customized to what you know my clients are looking for yes yes and in my experience chris these tools are more of a communication tool they are not the end goal the they help to facilitate a discussion yeah. and out of that it, actions comes out yeah. and yeah what what we should do and yeah we alignment and it's just common way to talk easily when i'm talking about partners that's the box yeah. yeah absolutely you know mm-hmm. none of the tools we've got are um you know are necessarily absolute they're brilliant you know they're, they're not going to work in every situation yes so you know if i'm working with a you know a um a client i'm working with a ceo or an owner or a business or a management team um you know i kind of see that those tools are in a backpack and i'm based on where the conversation is going and what their needs are i'm going to break i'm going to whip out a tool at one point in time and it's mm. going to be the tool that's the right tool for them yes um, but that comes from experience and, and a lot of intuition yes you know yes. but it's the tool is not the end goal it is designed to help them move through a phase or a problem mm. um, to try and you know make a decision absolutely you know or, or find some direction that's going to take them more closer to where they want to go in the future absolutely and i think yeah that's that's exactly what it is so there are tools to facilitate where we sit right now to move forward and in a collaborative way okay so ch- shifting gears now chris a quick scenario and uh, help me transform so the scenario is this i have a professional services business i've got 300 consultants and uh, the business is going fine but i feel there is a danger within the sort of environment i'm operating in and uh, i really need to stand out and transform and based upon the discussions i had internally there is a suggestions to develop internal ip and out of which i'll differentiate myself from my competition and improve the profitability of the business dramatically so the resource utilization and profitability needs to improve massively and how how what would be your general approach if someone ask you that question a business owner say professional services i want to transform i feel like i there is a bit of trouble based upon my internal discussions i want to utilize or develop this internal ip and and channel that and i want to massively improve my potential profitability so i would say that there are two areas you're looking at mm. right um so at a really high level you know it sounds like the ip is being developed because there is a market need mm. so if you're going to develop ip it's because you perceive that um there is an unmet need that your target customer segment has Mm. So there are other competitors out there giving them certain things but they mm. keep on broadly saying look I want this and I'm not getting this. Mm. Um and what you might be doing is and what you would need to do is to develop um a uh, a product or service that's going to meet that unmet need. Mm. And you'd want to make sure that whatever that is that there is an untapped fairly decent sized market because if you've developed this you're then going to train your people and they're then going to execute um 
that service into the marketplace. Mm. So, you know, it's important to do the homework, do the research, do the development and do the market testing mm. to make sure that what you have isn't a one-off. It's something that, you know, that there's a real desire um, in the market space for what you have. And you need to understand what the value is. So mm. think about if your if um, target customer were mm. like you, mm. they'd be thinking, hang on, we want to insource this particular project, mm. this or product or service, because mm. dot, dot, dot. It's mm. going to help us do what? Mm. It's going to help them basically improve their value proposition, mm. be more competitive, mm. and probably generate more profit. Mm. So you need to think about those things that you want, but over there in their land. That's uh, gold. So I'll, and I'll, I'll let you elaborate further. But I think this- That's this just ine- one element. That's one element, yes. So- Generally, and this happens quite often, is we look inwards, and uh, and this is in my experience as well. When we talk to the sponsors and business owners, the what we want to do tends to be internal. I want to be this. I want to increase my market share by that. So this is all these internal aspirations and goals without thinking too much on the broader aspects. So. I've given you this hypothetical example yeah. and what you've just said is, look, rather than thinking about IP, validate that assumption that your IP is, that that idea is really valid by testing and going out and see, is it real? Is it what your customers want? Is there enough market out there for that specific yep. IP? Yep. So I think that's brilliant. So the first sort of lesson is we must look outside yes yeah and validate our assumptions are correct before we embark on any specific journey it's about what value i can create for my customers mm. that's the first question mm. um you know it's not about how do i generate more profit if you keep on asking that question well it's an important one to ask and it mm. may have been the catalyst mm. but th- th- where you go as step two is well is really well what do my customers need Mm. And can I produce something that is relevant, significant? Mm. Um, it, it's going to be um, have a significant impact on their business. Mm. It's going to be a need, not a nice to have in their world. Mm. And it's going to, or it's and or it's going to reduce some level of severe pain. Mm. And that's a good starting point. Mm. Um, so you want to go outwards rather than, and then rather than you know looking to, oh, so totally internally. Yes. You know, otherwise, you're going to end up with a with a product that's just not going to a service that's just not relevant. It's insignificant, and it just gets sort of a minor niggle rather than something that's a significant pain point. Absolutely. So the second point around profitability, my understanding is, don't look into profitability as your goal. Look how I, as a business owner, can solve the the my customer problems more holistically. You are looking at that, yeah. And look the. I'm not the, the the finance piece is important. Mm. Why? Because it's you know it's a it's a key metric. Mm. So you want to get a sense of if we do this, what's what would happen in financial terms? Mm. You know, which would which is ultimately what you want to know. Mm. Because if it's not going to work, you want to you want to fail fast. Mm. Okay. So we talked about the sales piece. Mm. There's a second piece, mm. which is well, how are we going to implement this product? Mm. You know, let's just say our staff are fairly busy. Mm. We've then got to train them in doing something that might be different. Mm. So how do we do that? Mm. And then if we now introduce another product into what might be, you know, a really bulging product or service suite in, a, in an IT company, mm. how are we going to cope with all this? Because mm. sometimes that can be way too much. Mm. You know, so you you might want to be, you know, think about the 
the diversity or of, of products or services that you have, you've got in the marketplace. Mm. You might want to think about, well, how many projects would be running concurrently mm. that we're trying to implement for our customers? Mm. It might be that you're going too far and mm. that it's actually going to have the reverse effect. Mm. It's going to slow everything down. Mm. So it's important to really work through, well, okay, how would this actually translate mm. into additional hours for these new projects and let's be really honest what's it going to what would be the impact of you know um you know taking resources away from other areas of the business Mm. you know having a bigger mix Mm. is it going to is there going to be some level of of um um reduced productivity from our Mm. team as for a period of time from reduce from introducing this new product so it's important to understand or get a sense of, of what those what, what would it do to ours chargeable non chargeable as well as is it relevant to our customers and then go well okay what does this mean financially yes right so the financial and that and that's a, it's a really good question because the financials are, are always looking you know you're you're wanting to get a sense of of, of what the impact is in dollar terms hmm. of doing something that hasn't yet been done you know you could be you've investing in, in an asset. Um, that's going to be doing a, a, a lot of uh, uh, that's going to automate a particular process, mm. but you really want to understand well what is the change in in cash flow fundamentally before you enter the contract and press the button. Absolutely. Okay, so the hypothetical example, my quick sort of summary is: we should not. Firstly, it's all good to come up with these brilliant ideas. I want to transform. I want to increase market share yeah. and have those goals. Firstly, look out. We must validate our assumptions, our yep. our goals. As best you can. Yeah, as soon as possible with the outers, so look outside. The, the second point is once we come up with this strategy, so our strategy or where we want to go is solid, there is a, a good weight in that, then merely designing the projects or listing the projects may not help. We must have a plan in place how we are going to implement because if, it can have a counterintuitive yep. yeah, yep. element where we start with something and we are all of a sudden we are we don't have resources to to fund or execute yep. the project and we are more distracted and it's doing more damage than any yep. good. And and this is this is a really good point because you know you can imagine you know, I can imagine a you know a management meeting mm. where I've got my business development people, mm. I've got my project teams. Mm. Um, my production people, mm. and I've got you know, and you've got your your CFO there, mm. and you've got the obviously you've got the business owner, or you've got the the, the CEO there as well, mm. and they're all talking about their area individually, mm. but they're not actually realizing. Hang on, we're all trying to elevate a bottleneck or a constraint, mm. which is right now we really want to increase our sales, and we're thinking of doing that mm. by introducing a new product into the marketplace. Mm. So how do we how do how does the the business development person or the or the, or the, the product manager um, work with the, the business development team and work with the production team to make sure that what they're coming up with mm. is sellable. It's going to add value and it's going to be implementable. Mm. You know, and it's actually going to re- generate additional cash for the business. Mm. So that's where you know the team needs some common ground, and yeah. that's why we you know what I find is like you know rules of flow or theories of con- theory constraints mm. is really important because it gets people on the same page and they understand. Okay, we're just trying to elevate the business a bit more, get a bit more throughput through in terms of sales and therefore production and therefore cash. Yes. And then we're going to do it again and again and again and again, and that's going to get us closer and closer to where what our strategic goals are. Great, great. Good. Now that makes sense. 
and what what sort of common challenge other than what we have covered so far what are the common challenges that you face in your day to day interactions with the customers you are serving um well um really good question um i think there are some businesses that uh, are not clear about their value proposition mm-hmm. um they they're not clear how they make a difference in their customers eyes mm-hmm. you know it's 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 devolved into selling Mm-hmm. rather than hang on how do we continually up our game mm-hmm. and continually um become relevant continually add more benefits to our customers yes um i think there are also businesses that don't really have a production methodology mm-hmm. they produce but they they they're not sure um how do i explain this um you know what what the north pole is for mm. production mm. you know what, what what's the optimum that they should be trying to strive for how to actually optimize their production mm. um and there are plenty of businesses that I work with that they have challenges in terms of cash flow because mm. the level of financial understanding and the level of financial guidance that they have previously had mm. has not been sufficient to help their their sales people their production people their product managers to really gel and and create products and services existing ones and new ones that are that are profit that are fundamentally profitable mm. and sufficiently profitable so that the business can generate sufficient cash to pay down its debt on these capital projects mm. and continue that that digital or that capital transformation that they they really want to put in place over time great and based upon the challenges or in general what sort of advice would you like to give to the business owners and the cc c suite executives um that there are that there that trying to find these tools mm. is really challenging um and a lot of management books and launch management theories are quite um they they're based on different disciplines mm. they they break down problems into a you know a sales problem or a production problem or into a financial problem mm. but they don't look at it holistically mm. and if you try and break things down that way the danger is that when it comes to implementing it in your management team it it also gets broken down that way it creates it reinforces silos, silos oddly yes. enough even yes. through and why why would it why would it you know reinforce silos because it's creating th- silo thinking yes oh we've just broken the problem down it it needs it sits over there yes. no it doesn't yes. you know if you if you look at constraint theory it's basically everybody has that problem yes because the bottleneck over there in sales is causing a is causing a problem in production and it's causing a problem in cash flow yes and yes. i could say the problem in cash flow is causing a constraint in 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 sales and it's that's causing a constraint in production yes it's you've got to look at this holistically yes one word which is coming again and again is holistic and uh, and i think that's where things tends to fall apart very quickly where we are implementing a system say a on a way to digital transformation we are, we are implementing a finance system the assumption is it's a finance system so we rest everyone can just relax and if it's a hr system oh it's a hr thing but we what we don't consider is looking against okay, so though it's a hr system but there is a financial aspect with that investment and it's hr that means a change within the employee landscape as well so it's not as simple as we think and holistic view and in, including all these different aspects and coming together in a one holistic view that's the value i think likes of yourself uh, offer to the organizations any final thoughts chris um look i think in terms of if i'm a, a medium sized business owner or ceo or a member of a management team there 
um, you know, I think that uh, there are strategic tools mm. um, and there are financial tools that need to be better integrated into those size businesses mm. um, that can better align people mm. because it keeps them focused on on that common goal mm. and it also keeps them focused on working together in terms of executing those that digital transformation or that capital transformation that's in place mm. to shift the business from where it is now, let's say point B to where it wants to go, mm. point A, mm. to to realise its strategic goals. Mm. Um, and that relationship between strategy and finance, you know, between visual tools and, and numerical tools mm. is a really, really important one. Mm. And, you know, I think unfortunately the way that that both sort of finance and strategy are sometimes portrayed is you know either it's a either it's all it's you know it's all numerical and it's you know all this whiz bang finance and it's mm. it's it's off there to the to the left mm. um, and unfortunately strategies you know strategy workshops have tended to be too focused on on something that the CEO or the owner already knows mm. um, and not enough on 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 how do we compete, mm. you know, how do we improve our business model, how do we deal with tactics and, mm. and short-term improvements over three to five years, mm. you know, how do we really, really win at that particular game. Um, yeah, I think those, those are the areas where I'm really passionate about working with medium-sized businesses um, and where I think there is just opportunity mm. um, for them to, to to really add more value to their clients and to their bottom line. Yes. And so what tends to happen is, and correct me if I'm wrong, strategy we have a strategy workshop we've done it once and then after a year or two let's have another workshop and then think oh strategy is done we have got this strategy but what we just just mentioned it's, it's an ongoing thing it works hand in hand with all other elements of the business and we should continually be reviewing refining updating and uh, whatever action comes to it we, we need to have projects to really implement that strategy. So it's an ongoing discipline. You're right. And let's, let's use a metaphor for, for going somewhere on a journey in a car, you mm. know. So, yeah, we're always working on um, on the direction that we're going. You know, we, we know we've got a destination. Mm. We, we know where we're going. And, you know, there's a, there's a queue over here or there's rain coming down or there's snow or there's something else. Mm. So we're always, you know, focused on the road, mm. always focused on that path that's going to take us from where we currently are mm. to where we want to go in a period of time, mm. okay. And at the same time, we look. We you know every now and then we check our speed, mm. um, and we check how much fuel is in the tank, mm. and 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 looking at strategy and looking at finance are covering those two areas. Yes, yes, and making shifts if it is too much traffic, and we know looking at that map, Google Maps, and then we may may not choose some other path. That's right. Yeah, and then Have iterating, refining. Yeah, yep, that's and so right. Forth. Great. That's right. Okay, that's great. We'll jump on a next session or section, should I say, which is rapid fire. Chris, are you ready for it? No, I thought we just had that. <laughs> <laughs> so in this section, it is more of a fun. We take things very lightly and whatever comes to your mind, just say that. It's not okay. anything personal and uh, I haven't prepared anything and these are the questions that comes to my mind i'm going to ask and we'll jump to the next one which is your favorite place um uh, i'd probably say the place i've probably enjoyed most um has been a ski resort in a little french town called morion okay. and uh, it's just it's just fun i went skiing there for the first time and it just absolutely was it was just incredible okay. to, to do that so yeah i really enjoyed that Great. 
one thing you like to change in your life? Um, <laughs> I'd probably like to have a different house than the one I've currently got. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I'd probably say that. <laughs> and uh, one one thing you wish you have changed when you were 30? Ooh, when I was 30, I got on a plane and I came to Western Australia. Um, I don't think I would have changed that. Um, I don't think I would have changed the destination. What would I have changed? Um, probably if I could have changed my outlook at life at that time, I might have saved a few years. Okay, yeah. okay. And so what advice, just adding another, what advice would you give to your 30-year-old? Ooh, I'd probably say don't be afraid to change direction. Um, I'd say it's okay to take time out. Mm-hmm. It's okay to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't put pressure on yourself. Um, look at what you really want to do mm-hmm. and um, and invest in that. Okay. And invest in something that you're really passionate about. Okay. Yeah. Good. One thing you like to change in the society? Um, I think I'd probably from probably uh, uh, obvious from the discussion that we've just had, I'd like to sort of raise the profile of strategy and 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 partly finance as well. Mm. You know, and 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 really help businesses explore and gain value from from looking at the relationship between these these two particular areas. Because in that in that middle ground where both of them exist and coexist, um, there's a lot of benefits that businesses aren't you know are not are just not getting access to. Okay. You know, either either strategies are a raw event or financials are a profit and loss in a balance sheet. But yes. in the middle, there's there's a lot of um, uh, capability and there's a a, a lot of um, value in terms of helping businesses change and transform. Great. So in in general, more maturity within these two streams. That's, yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What's your greatest fear? Um, that one of those really horrible sci-fi movies eventually eventuates on this planet. <laughs> yeah, with AI, I could see that that may happen. Yeah, so good. Uh, if I ask you, Chris, this is the final one, explain yourself or define yourself in three words or less. Um, I'd probably say innovative mm-hmm. um, because... I do, I think, because I really enjoy, you know, the, the areas that I look at in terms of strategy and finance. Um, I, you know, I tend to do a lot of drawing, um, a lot of thinking through visual models, a lot of uh, different different ways of, of analyzing business problems. So I'd probably say that I have quite an innovative approach. I don't like necessarily copying other, what other people do. Mm-hmm. I like to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going hand in hand with that is I'm fairly passionate mm-hmm. About about different things in my life, mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy being passionate about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and thirdly, I'd say curious, great, because I think that's necessary for innovation. Yes, yes. and for 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 really you know peeling back the assumptions on how things work. Yes, so I really really enjoy doing that. I like taking assumptions, taking particular worldviews or misconceptions, and and getting behind that and looking at what. Because if you get behind that, what I find is that you find things yeah. that people are confused about, they've made misassumptions about, and there's value there. Mm. And they are, they are complement three eyes of you, in being innovative, passionate, and uh, which was the third one? Innovative, passionate, curious. Yes, and they I think they, they complement each other. Yeah. I can see that. Great. Okay, so 
the final sort of section tell tell us more mm-hmm. about your future plans how the listeners and uh, others others can connect with you learn more about you so currently you know i i have an email address <laughs> i'm in the process of putting together a website Good. um so that email address is chris.cooper@thestrategysegment.com um i'm looking at putting together a website that will you know introduce um business owners ceos management teams etc medium sized businesses in terms of you know the benefits of looking at strategy and finance mm. the kind of things that that I implement for companies that that have have different value from what they might be getting from their their facilitator or their their accountant mm. so i'm you know i'm putting together a website at the moment that um, that's going to do that um uh, so what, what was the other part yeah question? so i think yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it so the future plans anything you like I think to, to also work with more medium-sized businesses. Okay. Um, I mean, probably one of the things I haven't said is that I've worked in just about every single industry once. Mm. So you know, from if anything from like catering to airlines to ports to electrical, you know, energy companies to mm. uh, hose and fittings companies, advertising agencies, uh, recycling companies, or distilleries. You know, I've worked with with, with just about everything, uh-huh. and that's just the way that the cards have fallen. Yes. You know, and and some people would have thought would have, you know, tend to sort of stay within the same industry, but it's just a happen that I've worked in probably most of them. I think I think I've worked in insurance broking. That's about one of the ones I probably haven't worked with, mm-hmm. but I've worked in just about everything else. And and that helps. I mean, I'm I'm same. I have got a sort of experience working in telecommunication, banking, manufacturing, professional services, but I think it gives a wider it, it widens your perspective and say and problems tends to be similar. and and then again from coming going back to the holistic view it helps you to develop a holistic view when you're working with a specific business yeah and and solutions that you know i've implemented in one industry you know i've then implemented in another mm. and and not because you know and it's not at the level of oh hang on how do you fit nuts and bolts into catering well no it's not that it's in terms of the strategic or the financial thinking mm. you know that in terms of, that you can then use to then resolve issues that are in in those different areas great Thank you Chris. So that's the end of our episode here. Thank you for your time and uh, I think the listeners are going to get a lot of value for the conversation we had and uh, your email address or any other details I'll add to the show notes. So great. That's it guys. Have a great rest of the day, night wherever you are and uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you here. Thank you.